Welcome to the Corduroy Connect, your one-stop shop for all Indiana FFA and agricultural news. We're excited to bring you stories from industry leaders, FFA members, and everything in between. I'm your host, Kylie Shakel, alongside my co-host, Luke Sproles. During our year of service as Indiana FFA state officers, we hope to share with you the stories of the amazing individuals that are leading and shaping our industry. Join us today at Corduroy Connect to get a glimpse into what we have to offer. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Corduroy Connect. We are so happy that you're joining us today. Today we have with us a really special guest. We have Noah Burning. Noah hails from the Heritage FFA chapter in Monroeville, Indiana. Noah served last year as the 2019-2020 state treasurer and is now attending Purdue University, where he is studying agriculture systems management and agriculture economics. Noah is also proudly representing the state of Indiana as our national officer candidate. Noah, thanks for joining us today. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. How are you? You know, we're well. So how is life outside of state office treating you? Well, it's been good, you know, just adjusting and not living at the center and not really living with your other six teammates as well. It's just kind of getting on with life. I could imagine. We're going to get talking about the national officer candidate rounds and everything in a second. But first, tell us a little bit about your FFA journey and what it looked like for you. Uh, so my FFA journey was a little bit of a well, kind of lifelong sentence almost. Uh, my mom actually served as the state treasurer 25 years before I did. So I came down to the center literally when I was in diapers and just kind of grew up right into it. Um, but then once I actually got to be a member, I got really involved in a lot of different CDEs that my chapter was involved in uh, and attended different conferences throughout my career and really just got hooked and found a family in the FFA and never left. That's awesome. So, you know, you grew up in this organization, but at what moment did you want to run for state office? So, <laughs> well, that's kind of kind of a funny story, too. So I actually I talked a little bit about it in my retirement address. Uh, my sixth grade year, I went to state convention, uh, and I actually walked up to one of the state officers that I had known. He kind of was like my idol, um, and I told him that, you know, one day I want to be up on that stage just like he was, and he said, you know what, I'm going to be there to watch you, and I had the chance to, I mean, kind of made it that my goal all the way through just to be up there, and then, you know, whenever you go to conferences and you get to meet other members, uh, that goal really solidified itself a lot more than, you know, just a sixth grader having a dream, um, but definitely that's where it all started. That's awesome. That's so cool. Now, what did your mom think when she found out that you were the treasurer? And if I'm not wrong, it was your mom's 25-year anniversary team this year, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. <laughs> I'll admit it was, I mean, I'm kind of an emotional person, so is she. So uh, there were definitely a lot of tears in the slate room. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was it was cool, you know. Uh, I remember after I opened up my slate and I showed her she was treasurer, she just was like, well, welcome to the club. <laughs> <laughs> welcome to the club. Well, so you were in the Treasurer Club for the 2019-2020 year, and th throughout that year of service was probably full of a lot of highlights and some challenges. Can you touch on a few of those highlights and some of those challenges throughout the year? Yeah, so I think, I mean, I like to start off with the good. Um, I mean, really, it's, everything's good, even challenges are, can be good for you. Um, I really just enjoyed a lot, and basically any time we had around members, especially conferences. I was a kid that, you know, in my FFA career, conferences were like my bread and butter, and I enjoyed being able to go to those and have one last chance and be on that other side of the curtain for a conference. Uh, and then also contests, I really enjoyed doing those as well. I mean, I participated in the welding contest, forestry contest, a lot of those different CDEs as a member. And to have the chance to, you know, see some of those people that I knew in those contests 
um, and then be on the side where, like, you know, we kind of get to help set up some parts of the contest was really cool. Uh, challenges, I think, would be, I mean, for all of us, was just how the year ended, you know, hitting up with coronavirus coming in and really changing up how the whole year looked, uh, really made it a little challenging for us. Uh, but beyond that, uh, most of the highlights kind of pushed out a lot of the challenges. You know, you had those times where you, you, there were always times that I didn't really know if I was ready for what was about to happen. Uh, but every time we'd go and then start working on whatever we were working on, whether it was state fair work days or going to a contest or doing chapter visits, I might be nervous. Uh, but once it got started, it felt like home. So, Noah, you talked a little bit about being on the other side of the curtain. As a member, we all have our favorite contest. So did your favorite contest change when you were able to get on the other side of the contest and help the members find their passions? Yeah, I would say that definitely with all of my con all the contests I really enjoyed uh, were different. One, because a lot of them ended up being virtual or different formats like that. Mm -hmm. um, and then also, like, another contest that I enjoyed doing uh, just the fact that, you know, we were literally the mediators in the room and making sure that people, like, weren't cheating on their tests or whatever was very different. So I know, like, in the welding contest, you know, when you go and compete, all you're really worried about is getting your, you know, getting your smocks on and getting your helmet ready to go. And when we were state officers, it was just kind of being that mediator and you didn't, didn't get to go out in the booth, and that was a little weird. Um, but then my other contest I really enjoyed, uh, the Farm Business Management Contest, was one that I really liked doing during state convention. Uh, and obviously that was on a virtual format this year. But I did have the opportunity in early October to actually compete in the national contest for that. So that was cool to still get that experience and, you know, meet with some of those people. Um, and then the, another contest I really enjoy is the Practical Forestry Contest, which, again, is something that usually we're literally out in the woods with hard hats and built more sticks and all. Um, but we had a lot of that go virtual. So it was, it was really different to be on that, that side of things. Uh, but then in general with contests, being like a state officer, I know that they're not necessarily the contests were always my favorite ones to do because all my favorite ones ended up turning virtual. Yeah. Um, but there was still being like at the horticulture contest or the fall forestry, being those chances to like stand in those rooms and kind of just watch the members go through. It was different because like I'd be looking at samples be like, man, I can really identify that right now. I can probably ace this. But <laughs> um, at the same time, it, it was cool to see and watch those members experience those contests and then – you know, have that, like, oh, I'm old and washed up now, and watch that, <laughs> watch that contest go through. I wouldn't call you washed up. I'd just say a wiser Noah Burning. Mm, okay. Yeah. I like that. Wiser. <laughs> With being wise, I'm sure you have a lot of leadership experience, you know, through these contests. So what are some things you learned in terms of leadership through these contests? Uh, so I think that the biggest thing was uh, understanding uh, the benefit, how, you know, your main goal should be more to take the whole winning as, as a team, not necessarily by yourself. Because, right. uh, you know, a lot of the contests that I did, you know, there was your total individual scores added up. But, you would, you know, we would learn that if we studied as a team, we'd have the chance to work as a team, really put that effort in on everybody, then we would do well in those contests. Because, you know, my freshman year, all I really cared about was beating out all my teammates, getting the highest <laughs> score on the test. Um, and then we kind of realized, you know, if you only got one person that's really – getting a good score and you're kind of like trashing on everybody else it's not really a great time right. um but whenever you had that chance you know put your heads together and say okay this is how we need to study together and this is how we're really going to have a chance to do well uh then you get some success and you can go on and you just have that chance to work as a team i think that's a great piece of advice to become better leaders as we navigate in our ffa journeys i really love that you talked a little bit about we're in this together as a team and i do love the what you mentioned earlier about you've been down here at the center since you were literally in diapers. 
So you've definitely been down here a lot. Are there any fun FFA memories that stick out to you? Oh, man, which one? <laughs> what, let's go with your favorite. Um, I would say that probably there's really – I got like two favorites. I'll split them up. Um, one, like prior to being a member, my mom's team would come down. We'd have reunions and stuff here. Um, and I, I remember as a little kid, you know, we'd go fishing out on the lake with one of mom's teammates. He'd kind of be the one in charge of all the kids. Um, so we'd have the chance to go do that. But then as a member, I would say definitely um, – my favorite moment was probably my second reflections. Uh, I was a sore. I was going to soar my eighth grade year, and we actually had reflections on the beach, and I had the chance to talk with a state officer that I'm now very good friends with, and you guys may actually know, uh, Derek Berkshire. I actually had the chance to. Uh, <laughs> oh, we know Derek. So I got the chance to talk to him, and I got to know him pretty well at that conference. And then my senior year, I actually had another conversation with Derek, and he reminded me that, you know, I – the center feels like home not just because of the place itself, but because of the people that are there. And I think that was just one one of the highlights of my FFA career here. I love that. Can you say that again, what he said? Yeah, yeah. he told me it's not the place itself that makes his home, but it's the people that do. That's beautiful. That. <laughs> All right, Noah, so that last one kind of pulled at our heartstrings. But do you have anything that's going to make us laugh? You know what? I think I think I got one. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so actually, back in the day, back in my day, you know, back we, in the day, back oh, in the day, no. uh, there used to be the this thing during the summer, be the summer challenge camp, uh, where members would have the chance to come to the center and it'd be more of like a week long conference, and you get the chance to, uh, you know, play outside, go swim in the lake, and on the last night, we would go canoeing in blue in one of the rivers down the way. There's a little canoeing place we'd go there. And you see, I was dead set that I was not getting in the water. Because I really just don't like to swim, okay? I mean, like, I was getting in a canoe, but I was not going to get in the water. Hold on. Do you not like to swim, or can you not swim? I, I can swim. Okay. I just don't enjoy it. Okay. I just don't just enjoy it. well. Yeah. <laughs> but, so, again, as some of you guys may know, Nathan Dietrich, that was a state officer the year before uh. me, <laughs> me and him were canoeing partners for this. And we both had it dead set. We were not getting in the water. So, like, we were so confident, so confident that we wore, like, slides with socks, you know? Like, we were wearing socks and slides. We're getting in this canoe. We're like, we are not getting in the water. We're not going to tip over. We're going to make it 100% dry. (laughs) Well, we get about halfway through, and it was going good. And then all of a sudden, we're like, hey, is that a rock or a tree? And it's just, like, sticking up out of the water, like, two feet, like, well, it was probably about six inches out of the water. We're like, that don't really look too good. And we, like, it was too late to turn the canoe. So we just, just, and our canoe gets up on top of it. We start spinning, and then <laughs> splosh. Oh. <laughs> so our canoe starts filling up. You know, we're like flailing around because we thought we were like, you know, in the super deep water. And then I'm looking for my shoe, and I feel the ground. And I stand up and realize I was like knee deep in water, yeah. not like super deep in water. Right. And we're like, well, this ain't going too great. And then like Dietrich's paddle is like on the other side of the bank. And, like, another group had to go get our paddles for us. We had to go take the – bring the little canoe up on the sandbar and dump it out. It. So, needless to say, our socks with slides were soaked. I can imagine. <laughs> also, I can just picture Nathan Dietrich screaming in his voice. How funny. Uh, might be me screaming a little more than him, but it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's all right. It's all right. So, Noah, wrapping up this getting to know you section – is there anything that you would do differently if you could go back to the very first time you wore your FFA jacket? Would you do anything differently? Would you tell yourself something different? What would you do? 
That's a tough one. No, I think that definitely going back to the first time I wore my jacket um, is just something that I, I didn't learn until I was more, you know, further into my high school career is just to really cherish those moments that you've got going on. Um, I know that, like in my banquet speech, I talked about a little bit that, you know, it's not focusing so much on what's going to happen next, like not consuming yourself with those next steps, but allowing yourself to really enjoy that present moment and take in what's going on around you. Um, I mean, I remember the first time I put on my jacket, I was going to my first district contest, and I looked up on YouTube how to tie a tie. I was sitting in the living room tying my tie. I was wearing my dad's old vocational lag jacket. Um, and just, I, I don't really think that I was really thinking in that moment. I thought a lot about, you know, two years from now, I'll be in high, like, you know, I'll be doing this stuff in high school, maybe I'll be chatter president, and I, I really allowed my, got myself consumed with what was happening next. And I think really just that first time I zipped up my jacket is just to really take it in and breathe in where you're at. Well, Noah, we really appreciate getting to know you on a more personal level through your chapter and your state office experiences. But as we all know, you are our national officer candidate this year, and we kind of just want to learn more about that. So what made you run want to run for a national office? Yeah, so that really goes back again. Um, you know, I talked about how my state all want to run for state office really went back. And national office was not quite back that far, um, but my freshman year of high school, um, our national officer candidate that year was someone I really looked up to, and I just it amazed me that someone you know would wants to give that much to our organization, be willing to work with all those different people, and have that chance to zip up the jacket again and share the family that we're a part of. Because you know I told you earlier that you know I grew up coming to the center, I grew up around the organization, and this this organization really matters to me. And to have the chance to zip up the jacket for another 365 days and to expand that family, expand that love. And then also to help those students realize that they do have a place in this organization and that any student can, they're not, you know, FFA is for anyone that wants to put, put that effort forward and join the organization to share and let them know that our organization benefits from whoever is in it. And really just to share that family and share that experience is why I ran for national office. Old Grandpa Burning that definitely has a lot of potential for him. Now we do have a few questions, some grandfatherly advice, if you will. <laughs> That we would like to get, we would like you to give to our listeners, and something that we might take away as well. Mm -hmm. So, first up, what does leadership mean to you? You know, actually, I had this conversation. My first job, I worked at the Whippy Dip Ice Cream Place in Monroeville, Indiana. <laughs> Go ahead and stop by there. You can find the burger named after me, Burning Burger. Go ahead and <laughs> grab you one. Uh, <laughs> uh, but no, I actually had a conversation with my boss whenever we were, um, you know, flipping some burgers one day, and he talked a lot about. The difference between, you know, defining leadership and what it meant to him and uh, what you ask and, you know, what I thought about it. And what we kind of came down to is that, you know, leadership is beyond just delegating things or, you know, telling somebody to do something or motivating somebody to do something. But it's having that, you know, having that will to join right there and, you know, lead in the trenches. The, the thought that I always came back to is um, I have a picture in my mind of, like, George Washington up on a horse, you know, go, going into battle with his soldiers uh, really leading in the trenches and being right alongside whoever you're, you're leading with. Uh, so my biggest thing is defining leadership to me is definitely that fact of it's beyond just motivating somebody or delegating something to someone. It's being right beside them and going through the struggles with them. That's amazing. That's such a good outlook to have on the idea of what is leadership, especially as a state officer and a national officer candidate. And I have no doubt in my mind that this will definitely help a lot of people understand that they can be a leader with with or without a jacket title. Mm -hmm. Very true. 
You know, Noah, FFA members are certainly a driven bunch of individuals. How can we remember what goals we have set for ourselves as we continue to grow? Well, I would definitely say that, you know, the best way to remind yourself is to put those things in writing. And I know that, you know, we say write down your goals is a big thing. And really, as simple as it sounds, it really is monumental. I know my freshman year of high school, I went to the fire conference, and one of the activities we did was writing our goals on a note card. Um, and I actually hung that above my door frame. And just having that chance, you know, go and check those things off, um, you know, from a fr- being a freshman in high school and then going into your junior year and putting a check mark on something that you put down like four years prior, it, it just is really satisfying. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know like for me, some of those goals I put on there, like chapter office, I had the chance to check that off, get top three in a state contest, state office, and then even I put, you know, national office on there. And the chance to, you know, once you even get to those points to where you have the opportunity to fulfill those goals and when you do fulfill those goals, it's just something that really, really is just it's really satisfying. Yep. And I hang, I hung my note card on my door on my door frame in my bedroom, and you know walking by that every single morning uh, really just helped motivate me and kept those goals in mind. You know I think that's extremely powerful, and I can attest to that as well. I kept a note card not from fire, but it was from national convention by my bedside table, and again it had state office on there. So that is a great piece of advice for everyone to listen to. So, Noah, you are reaching the end of your checklist, depending on how you look at it. What happens when we reach the end of our checklist? I think the biggest thing is, is always set those new goals. You know, I had, my freshman year of high school, obviously, I set these goals, and I'll admit, I have new ones as well. You know, you put on there, uh, at that point in time, I had, like, go to Purdue University and study agriculture, and I've gotten to the point where I'll be, I'm studying agriculture now at Purdue, um, and, you know, making those goals beyond that as well. Graduate, get a job and a career somewhere, start a family, those types of things. Um, we actually, at our state officer capstone training, had the opportunity to set those new goals. Um, and I actually have them written down on my piece of paper, my little pad folio back in my bedroom, not sitting on, like how Kylie had her note card on her bedside table. My pad folio is sitting right there as well. So, you know, once you have even, you know, once you check off a few of your goals, it's okay to start making those new ones as well because it's always you want to constantly keep working to you know reach those new goals, keep making yourself better, and always you know keep checking off those things. And I really think that's how we can all be successful is if we keep making those new goals and keep getting ready to move on. That's awesome. Definitely working towards new goals, setting high goals, but never stopping once you can get to the end of that checklist. I just think that's really awesome. You know, in a sense, we never really are done with that checklist. You know, if you Mm -hmm. think about it, you're just expanding it. So, Noah, to kind of wrap up our talk today, we have one final question, and I know it's a question we all get multiple times, but it's very valuable for each of us to hear. And that is, do you have any advice you would like to give to FFA members wanting to get involved? I would say definitely, and this is something that, really has meant a lot to me during my career. And I know <clears throat> I actually had a conversation about it at our store conference this year. It's just uh, all the people around you in this organization, I mean, they are what makes this organization great and makes it feel like home. That's why it's a family. Um, I know, like, when I went and did my first visit at Purdue, uh, I went and visited the College of Engineering, and one of the things they told us that they used to say, you know, look to the left, look to your right, those people won't be here next semester. But, like, the kind of the different thing I took that whenever we talk about FFA is that, you know, look to the left, look to your right. Those FFA members will always be there. You know, regardless of if you're still there as members, regardless if you're going to Purdue, regardless if you're going out of state, no matter where you're going in life or your career or collegiate field, those people are still going to be there. 
I mean, there are people that I met literally my seventh grade year, and you know, being an FFA, that are graduated that you know you would think that would never talk to me again that I'm really good friends with, and that I you know have called and asked for advice on different things. And then also there's people my age that I'm really good friends with across the state, people that are younger than me that I know really well, and just the people around here never really go. I mean, they're always going to be there. And they're always going to be that family. And just really cherish those people around you and build those relationships. I really like that idea. When we were in state officer training, there was a state officer in my small group who said that FFA members are like the thread of an FFA jacket. It takes thousands and thousands of threads to make an FFA jacket. But when they all come together for a purpose, you get something so amazing. And I just think that's just such a great visual for what you said, that FFA yeah. is a family. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, Noah, we appreciate you taking time out of your very hectic and busy schedule <laughs> to speak with us today. I really hope that our listeners got to gain a little bit of knowledge from you and just get to know you, you know, as our uh, national officer candidate. So once again, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Now, Noah, before we let you go officially, we <laughs> have this little thing that we're starting on the Corduroy Connect called our rapid fire questions. Okay. And basically we look up a random question each week and we're going to ask our guests and Kylie and I are going to answer this question as well. And then we're going to post this on social media and have all of our listeners chime in and give us their answers. Okay. So the rapid fire question for you today is let's say you were given an elephant as a gift okay. and you couldn't sell it or give it away. What would you name it and what would you do with it? <laughs> Well, first off, my favorite animal is an elephant. Really? What? Yes. So I'm very happy that I have an elephant. Uh, and I guess I always wanted to have a dog, but I guess I'm going to keep the elephant as a pet because I've already got an elephant now. And I'll give him, I always want to name my dog Duke, so I guess I'll name the elephant Duke. Okay. There you go. But I'm keeping it. Keeping it? Yeah. Heck yeah. Okay. All right. And what do you plan on doing with your elephant? I don't know. Take him on walks. Go on a, go on a, go on a safari adventure in my backyard. I don't know. Maybe it'd be a cool time. It's a big backyard. Uh, I guess. <laughs> Luke, same goes for you. If you had an elephant, what would you name it and what would you do with it? Well, I guess I would have to buy a big backyard like Noah, but I 100% am going to keep this elephant and I'm going to name him Francis. Francis. Yes, okay. and I'm going to teach him tricks and try and race him with Noah's elephant. Nice. You want to know something funny? What? My fifth grade teacher's name was Mrs. Francis. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Kylie, you're the only one left. What would you name your elephant and what would you do with it? Well, my elephant's name would be Barbie. Um, I just think that's an awesome name. It was my name for base camp. And if I was to do something with it, I would probably make its own pen in the barn. I'd probably have to build a new barn because the barn's a little too short. And I would probably take it on walks. I'd probably ride the elephant. It could probably become friends with my sheep as well. So that's probably what I'd do with my elephant. You get a brace an elephant? You can brace an elephant. Okay, we'll yeah. brace an elephant. Yeah, we'll take him to shows all across the country. <laughs> <laughs> that's probably the most Kylie answer that I've ever heard. But we want to hear from you. So make sure that you tag Indiana FFA on our social media and tell us, if you had an elephant, what would you name it and what would you do with it? Well, everyone, thanks for tuning into the Corduroy Connect. Join us next month as we continue to share the stories of leaders shaping our future. This has been your co-hosts, Luke Sproles and Kylie Shakel. Indiana FFA, stay golden.